found that in order to get full coverage on YouTube, you have to have copyright free music because I'm all about getting that bag. You cannot get monetized. If you have anything that resembles possible copyright infringement. Therefore, I had to change my intro. Intro. Hey, y'all. This is 2022, a new year, a new time for podcasting. And I had to get a funky beat to basically express what I want to put out in the atmosphere. And this is Tenfro. I'm back, back, back again. I'm a social critic, thought leader, but I'm more reclusive than cranky. But I want to read, watch, cook, and just share all things that make me happy. My wish is that this increases the curiosity of the listening audience to come back for more and to share with friends. I want one million unique listeners and downloads. I want creative, quality Millie to be known around the world. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. So if you're listening to me on YouTube, click subscribe. Tip a sister. And I just want to thank you guys for listening. And enjoy and get your bop on. Copyright free. That's the instrumental, original version of America the Beautiful. Um, I start this episode with only slightly heavy heart because my mind has been spinning over the past week with the overturn of Roe v. Wade and I've had time to reflect on the meaning of the words of this hymn. One of the stanzas stands out. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. We're flawed. The freedom that democracy brings allows people that look like me to express our opinions. I thought there was room for all these ideas to exist, but a select few have come to power appointed by a correct corrupt sociopath to appoint the ridiculous right wing to the highest court they're ready to strike down precedents and law to push forward a conservative idea that they want to stronghand the rest of us to comply it appears that we have no choice for any of their removal without a lengthy impeachment process so we have to deal with this bs for 25 years until disease or natural processes of retirement takes place. We have lackeys like Overseer Justice Thomas willing to take up the banner for this cult of idiocy, leading us into an era of darkness and stupidity. 
They have a right to be conservative. I just don't have to abide by this moralistic BS. But they have no right to restrict the freedoms of others. All of these are contrary to the ideas and the premise of this country. We are entering an era of darkness and restriction and I can only seek the light and create content of a world I used to live in and a world I want to trust to see again. As I make my plans for my next adventure, look for me in the horizon and my coming or going. I feel you can express dissent without calling for the downfall of the institution. You can't block freedom of expression. You risk dissent into fascism. That is not the America I want to be in. Let's be clear. We the people didn't want the Roe v. Wade overturned. We the people don't want a reversal of same-sex marriage recognition. We the people do not want transsexual children and adults to be denied health care. We the people believe in the words of the preamble. We the people believe in the ideals of America, even though most of the time we don't live up to it. But we the people don't want the nonsense of the past couple of weeks to be our existence. Or we the people will throw up the deuces. And I ask you again, you, look, you can look for me in the horizon. Am I coming or am I going? But it, either way, it really is going to be my choice. And that's all I got to say about that. The rest of the episode is not this heavy. It's just that I had to get those words out before I descend into the shenanigans that has become my show. Um, the rest of this uh, show is going to not is going to be talking about uh, book the book um, by the book. Um, I'm going to basically reflect on truly on freedom because I'm going to be discussing um, Juneteenth um, and then um, the donkey of the day. I guess I should have started that at the top of the show uh, because the donkey of the day was somebody completely different. I had no idea that every conservative member by descent or ascent was going to be listed the donkey of the next quarter of the century. I'm wondering if the previous or the current chief justice is going to basically give up the ghost and uh, retire. That's a possibility. I think he's been in there for almost 20 years. And if somebody else like Gorsuch, um, he's coming up. He's all, He was just appointed in 2017, but I'm not sure about his state of health. We may be able to flip or swing the pendulum of conservatism back to uh, moderates um, by the natural selection of the court without having to expand it. Because we don't, I don't think stacking the court is going to be the right thing. But the court is going to be a reckoning, meaning when you act against the precedence of justice and you descend into fascism because you are promulgating your own ideas, 
you risk it all. You really do. So evidently, I had recorded my synopsis of Take My Hand uh, last week sometime, but I had all this extra stuff that I wanted to also record um, and I had published previously. Um, and let me see, I want to make sure that I didn't do something crazy like read synopsis or I have my books confused because I've been really, um, I got sidetracked, but I really want to discuss, uh, by the book by Jasmine Gullery, as well as, uh, my reduction on P Valley. And I'm not sure if I actually, if that's what I actually recorded. But we'll see, because I was on a terror this morning. I wonder, hopefully, I didn't um, re-record what I already recorded. I just didn't post um, Take My Hand. But let me check it out, and I'll get back to y'all. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Quark's Bar, uh, the premium content for Tenfroa's reading. Um, this week is a short week f- for my day job, because we're just coming off of the Juneteenth um, holiday. Um, I did an extra special episode, um, which got posted on Sunday, um, and I hope you enjoy it. I had the opportunity to look up and read the Emancipation Proclamation um, and comment on it. I don't think I've ever read it all the way through, um, as well as um, the lyrics to Lift Every Voice and Sing. It was based on a poem by Weldon, beautiful, and it speaks to the heart of why we have to have a separate black anthem in this country. Um, It all goes back to uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, the 14th Amendment and our freedom and how nobody and Jim Crow um, and how people would prefer to just us not exist. it's in a lot of ways very disappointing um and most in other ways it just uh also speaks to the hypocrisy and the duality in this country um and how people like me we continue to create because if we can't fit in one way we create a world or we create our own existence. That's why there's like this duality. There's uh, black Wall Street and it got destroyed. So now they're rebuilding it. Um, It's black Twitter. Um, They tried to ban us from that platform, but we create our own subculture within a culture. And we get cultural uh, misappropriation all the time and we still just keep being. We still keep creating. We still, um, as much as we can, we still try to create our own existence. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, A duality of my existence is doing what I can to excel within a corporate structure 
even though I know that corporate structure is not made for me. And then using my free time and being very protective of my free time and my thoughts, because that's where I am truly free. When I'm allowed, when I'm left alone and I'm allowed to create and you don't try to box me in or you don't try to encroach on my free time, that's why I don't, you're not gonna have any problems with me. If you just allow me to do my job and do, do it elect, um, with excellence and you don't come up with some petty BS that may, has nothing to do with my ability to do the job, then we're gonna be fine. But I think a lot of minorities and people like me within any existence, they know and they struggle with this on a daily. It's why some creatives have walked away from perfectly good jobs because people keep trying to box them in or they keep trying to not allow them just to be. And I think if we were allowed just to be, we could fit in, we would continue to create, we would do these things if you would just let us be creative. And I get it. You're gonna maximize what I do on the time that you pay me. But other than that, you need to go stay down somewhere because I ain't got time for that, for real. But when I maximize my creativity, and I also realize there's several realizations I've also come up with. When I'm at my most creative is when I'm well rested and I'm not in pain and I'm not hangry. Um, for a while now, and it's even traced back to the start of the pandemic, I've had some really, have had difficulty with sleep. And it's become more um, horrible since um, the death of my father, unexpected death. But this past week, I've made a concerted effort to clean up my sleep hygiene. Um, and I've had to take non-addictive sleep aids. And the results are amazing, I think. I'm more rested if I get consistent and uninterrupted sleep. And the Benadryl component, if you actually have allergies, like I know I have, it works. The problem is that hungover feeling. Um, it just takes you a minute to get over that. But every time you close your eyes, if you go into REM, you are going to, it's um, an added benefit. Also, if you then completely turn off the TV um, in the morning and just listen to books on tape um, or something else besides the news, you will, you will, you actually will want to create. You want to think about things. Um, that uninterrupted sleep, and if you could get in a position where you don't have, have a good enough mattress, that's why I'm thinking I may have to switch out my mattress to support um, 
your posture in your back as well as I also have issues with my knees. I find that I'm not in as much pain. I'm able to not have to sidestep down the stairs. I actually descend the stairs like a regular person and people with bad knees will know what that looks like. Um, And you just want to, and you have time to uh, post a podcast, update your podcast, record like I'm recording right now, simply because you feel up to it. And a lot of things that would absolutely bother you really don't uh, bother you because you just say, you know, I could get upset about this, but don't really care. And you just keep it pushing and you end up doing above and beyond what you would ordinarily do because you don't you don't absolutely um, care or you care but you just continue to do the job and you do it efficiently and you make the decisions they hired you to do because you know you're on their dime only certain parts of the day and whatever you do with your time is on you. And I say all of this to say it as a lead into um, Tim Froe's reading. I am always looking uh listening to other podcasts to get ideas about my own. I'm very grateful to the thousands of uh, great podcasts that are out there. I listen, I subscribe to maybe about 10. 10. Um, One of my most favorite pop culture one is The Read, which is not um, produced Um, any new episodes in the last two, almost three weeks now because of a psychiatric uh, crisis of one of the hosts. My heart and mind and thoughts are for the speedy recovery and stability of um, Kid Fury and uh, his friend, oops, his friend um, and host, fellow host, um, Crystal. Um, I hope you get well soon and we are blessed with and more pop culture and common and funny commentary uh, from that dynamic duo. Um, I listen, I read, I read the news when I can sit down long enough because my ADD is off the charts, but I also watch a lot of reality TV uh, and make comments on shows like 90 Day Fiance, which I hate watch every Sunday. And one of my favorite shows that I have watched and rewatched and rewatched is the groundbreaking show on stars, P-Valley. I did look up on Spotify. There is most TV, all these streaming shows, services, a lot of the shows have their own um, follow-up podcast, kind of like um, the after show for Star Trek. Well, this particular show is, I don't know if Joy is sponsored uh, by the network, and I'm not sure if she should be, because as I was listening to her, I find her voice 
to be a bit annoying. It's it's obvious that she's African American, but it's also it's so Valley Girl affected that it kind of grates on the nerves. So, and I only listened. I went back to the very first episode that's on Spotify. Um, if you can stand her voice, then try to give it a listen. But if not, you could just listen to my commentary. Um, this is full of this um, episode or this commentary is basically full of spoilers uh, for this week's episode. And also just commenting on, continue to comment on last week. The first couple of episodes, first episode I was down with. The second episode when um, Mercedes fell and bust her behind to me was it was traumatic to me because I didn't want her to get hurt. But this is the follow-up. It's called The Dirty Dozen. It's Keyshawn and Lil Murder embark on their new adventure. Um, they are posing as the prince and princess of Trap and the pole. Um, and they're on the road. And I honestly think that the not-so-richy-rich boyfriend is going to show up and wreck it all because he wants to keep her as his personal dancer and um, uh, Barbie doll, chocolate Barbie doll. Um, But they have to eat because he can't get a job. And I think he's going to take that out on her. Last week's episode was some hoodoo mess. This week episode is is everybody expanding their um, and going different routes to basically make that money. I saw you'll see Uncle Clifford on the pole. You'll see uh, Mercedes hooking up with Coach again. And you'll see the color of Lil Murder's hair changing and he just gets more and more sexier. You'll see... Oh, what's her name? The wonderful, she has a great mouth and her is just the African-American stripper um, with the sorceress white girl. They remind me of X-Men or like superheroes with their theatrics. I mean, the first scene opens with this chick on in the paradise room performing fellatio for like a G. I can't. Wow. It's wow. And I I don't know if it's her body double. It probably is. But these women have such amazing athleticism and their bodies are banging. It makes you player hate. Almost makes me come want to come up off of ham hocks. But I am not. I just feel that I'm, again, so lucky um, to be able and to be allowed to experience how beautiful these women are and just be completely envious of their youth and um, their athleticism because I'm such a klutz. I mean, just realizing, wow, I I don't think... I was any ever, any ever that good. 
to be able to have men give you thousands and thousands of dollars to do whatever you want to. And they'd be cool with it because of the power and how pretty you are. A Mercedes has mastered it. And every single woman, and even Uncle Clifford, that dance at the pink. And also, I don't know, was her name Rochelle or whatever her name is. I don't know. She has the wrong color. I'm looking at this first scene and I just realized what the color of her headscarf is. And if she is going to be, if she's absolutely going to be involved with the war between the two rival um, gangs, because Little Murder Squad is one color and this other squad is another color. And I'm wondering if she's a part of that gang. And what is her end game? They always say, make the money and not let the money make you. So what is her end game? But I find the lack of information about her and the white girl to be really suspect. But I have a feeling that they're going to play a big part in the crescendo of violence that is a big part of most of these characters' story arc. What also makes me very sad is how I think also something is going to happen to Mercedes' daughter because the stepmother is wilding out. Um, She has a significant issue or problem with um, alcohol and she's becoming neglectful that the girl had to go, who's only 14 and doesn't have a license, drive to the grandmother's Patrice Woodbine's food bank to get some food because I don't know if she's just not working um, or what's happening. Also, Mercedes got her car back, her Trans Am, that yellow Trans Am back. It's not looking as shiny as it used to do back in the day because number one she got locked up and two she's taken a fall and they were right the last episode when they tried to approach to buy the pink um all these stores have closed down in the fictitious chuckalisa but that's the same storyline all over the south and all over the united states this is also giving me an idea This Dirty Dozens tour is touring in some of the blackest parts of the South. It's in um, Memphis and Little Rock and Louisiana, um, uh, Atlanta, and of course, fictitious Chuckalista. There's so many places in Montgomery, probably Birmingham. There's so many places in the South that we make up such a large proportion And we have like this such subculture that nobody basically wants to talk about and everybody thinks it's shameful, but it is a part of the culture. And I was so happy when I saw Memphis Jukin, the dancers up there, um, how the subculture parallels the culture and had to become a subculture because we were not accepted into the regular culture. And we're making bank we're on this we're always on the struggle 
but it's beautiful in its own right. I'm going to put that fictitious um, Dirty South tour uh, map as a reminder of always being on your grind and always being creative. Also, <laughs> this girl is a trip. <laughs> I like Mercedes' daughter. But that's how, why I think of what so many things I think about when I think about P Valley. I'll probably comment on the show pretty much intermittently throughout my premium episodes or even on my main show because this show is more than just about a bunch of black women shaking their ass. It is about the subculture and the acceptance the, you should not slut shame because I don't think any of them are, but some of them are because that black girl should trip. But people got to do what they got to do to survive. And what they think they can do to make it up, not only to survive, but to get out of um, the reality that is the struggle. Because being black and female is not, you're not safe. And I don't know how many stacks it would take to give you that safety, but people are willing to take the chance to make that money. Now for By the Book by Jasmine Guillory. I realized before the spell is completely broken by life, I need to get my comments down and out about this book. I have completely listened to the entire book and it's not my usual fare. It's a lot more romantic and therapy than what I'm used to um, listening to and reading. But after my last two books, this is definitely a lot lighter and it was so much funnier. The gist is, is Isabel is a publishing assistant and who is an aspiring writer who gets deployed to California to help an A-list kid get his memoir together. She's sabotaged by another junior editor who she takes her job uh, prior. This is Gavin, who basically, and even with microaggressions by her then boss, she's optimistic, starts out, and she uses this as an opportunity to basically curry favor with her most of the time disapproving boss. She finds there, she finds herself and then she finds love. It's remarkable because I didn't realize Bo um, is mixed. Um, his white screenwriter father who be gets an Oscar and his black famous actress of a wife who basically was his ghostwriter for the entirety of her career, his career, and even the screenplay that won her him the Oscar, he couldn't even find it within himself to even thank her or his child. Bo wouldn't find out about this until a year after his father dies and he basically went off on his mother um, at the funeral. He then basically, he had cut himself off from her, goes back to, I believe it's her parents' house to basically get his thoughts together. And it's there that the broken, 
broken bow finds broken Izzy. And each other, with the help of each other, they basically heal themselves and each other. Um, he also tells her, he also, after he blows up at her, at Izzy, for basically pointing out that even though his writing is good, it could be more. And she basically would push him to do more and to give out more. But he, it would take him some time. Once he, it's like, he's like me. Once he got so gets over being mad for being criticized, he then starts to really write and to really create. He basically writes the real story about some abusive white dude career made by his more talented writer wife and he couldn't even thank her i mean as i said that before his son his hero worships him and it was like he was always an afterthought i wonder if he just assumed he deserved it with no effort and from his from himself and his wife and son were just the supporting pawns in the story that was uh both father's life you can be really abusive and never laying a hand on someone. I, they did the This writer did not write anymore about the woman's success, if she had any success after they divorced and then definitely after he died. Um, I would like to know what is the second um, the second part of her life and his story arc. But what made Izzy and Bo's existence um, and why they grew so close together so fast is because they didn't have any real interruptions because they basically were on his Malibu estate chilling. And it was this bubble away from the cold New York and publishing scene, she begins to flourish. She with good sleep and good food and being around a fine man, I guess, she was able to edit her book and rediscover her passion. She, in her own right, was talented. And when she wasn't having distraction of her boss and Gavin speaking nonsense in her ear, she thrived. They both thrived. They got to know each other without any distractions and they began to trust each other just by sitting in the time in the TV room, surfing, swimming. He did turn in pages, um, not only catapulting his career as a writer, but making good on that several million dollar uh, book deal, but also catapulting her career because she would leave there with a job offer and expansion and an editor and her own book deal. And it was so wild that both are writers, but they had difficulty putting their feelings into words. And it was more than just sex. They pushed each other. Their passions became realized in a very positive way. That's why I think I really liked the book itself. And it was just so cool to have someone finally proud of her and was interested in her uh, well-being. Um, she would learn that from Bo and then she would want that from her publishing job because I think she was a very a talented editor. It was obvious with all the work that Bo was able to do and complete his memoir, which still tripped me out. How can you be 29 year old and write a memoir? Who cares? But he had some crap 
happened in his life that if he formulated it in a right word, the story arc would be, you know, we like a big comeback story, even though they're like completely loaded. And he did it in a well-furnished, great library in a state um, in California. She also goes to a different imprint where I completely play a hate her guile because she gets first dibs at her most admired authors and she gets to edit them too. I like the book because Gavin gets got, her friend Priya gets promoted, Bo finishes her book, Izzy finishes her and then gets a new job and the fine man on top of that. How awesome is that? And if I can get to review and read or listen to more books with this character development and excitement and just pure, wonderful fiction, well-written, this will make my life. I'm living my best life when I get to listen to and read great books like this one. And this is also a setup for my next book, which is about uh, four Anglo-Nigerian women, Wahala. Um, I'm excited about listening to that arc about how these women's lives parallel and intertwine to also tell a great story. So join me in the next episode as I review and listen to and get your comments on that book. And again, as always, thank you for listening. of Juneteenth and and I'm off on Monday. Don't get me wrong, I'm always grateful for time off, but what annoys me is when why was this finally a recognized federal holiday? Well, it became one back with the murder of George Floyd. This was a way for a lot of corporations, including my own, to finally recognize something that we knew should have been recognized for years. Um, 
And what is the significance of Juneteenth? It is, a fe- now it's a federal holiday. It originated when 2,000 troops arrived in Galveston Bay, finally and firmly announced June 19th, 1865, that more than 2,500 enslaved black people in the state were, fle- were free by executive decree. But dudes, um, that executive decree came the first day of January in 1863, a full two years prior by Abraham Lincoln. What they think that the original scouts, Union soldiers were killed in Texas and the word never got out. And that's why they, those slaves continued to toil for an additional two years, even though that they were free. Um, I'm struck by the audacity of it all. I'm struck by the cover up at, at all. And I'm stuck why there was no reparations. I think a lot of Texas, people from Texas can basically trace their ancestry back with some records, slave roles and the like, families that have been in Texas since the beginning, and they can track it back. Um, and that's where you go need to give up some reparations. I mean, that's two years. All those people lived, died, um, and were free. And y'all, and they still were subject to slavery. The the Emancipation Proclamation is clear. And as I read it, I got choked up and then I started getting angry. But listen to this. I realized that I have not even had read anything near it since, oh gosh, since high school. But it reads as such, by the President of the United States, a proclamation, whereas on the 22nd day of September in the year of our Lord, 1,862, a proclamation was issued by the President of the United States containing, among other things, the following to wit, that on the first day of January in the year of our Lord, Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of the state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then thenceforward and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any efforts they may make for their actual freedom. So we still have the 14th, 15th, and 16th Amendments. They still enacted Jim Crow laws, which were and are a direct violation of federal law. And they just were allowed to do all of those things. We had to go through another hundred years and have the Civil Rights Act, basically reiterating what Abraham Lincoln had said in 1862. What kind of bullshit is that? And what kind of white supremacy bullshit is that? That the executive will on the first day of January 
aforesaid by proclamation designate the states and parts of the states, if any, in which the people thereof respectively shall then be in rebellion against the United States and the fact that any state or people thereof shall on that day be in good faith represented in the Congress of the United States by members chosen thereto as elections, wherein a majority of the qualified voters of such state shall have participated, shall in the absence of strong countervailing testimony be deemed conclusive evidence that such state and the people thereof are not then in rebellion against the United States. He goes on to say multiple things and names the state, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, except the parishes of St. Bernard, Plaquemines, Jefferson, St. John, St. Charles, St. James, Ascension, Assumption, Terrebonne, Laforge, St. Mary, St. Martin, and Orleans, including the city of Orleans, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, except the 48 counties designated as West Virginia, and also the counties of Berkeley, Accomack, Northampton, Elizabeth City, York, Princess Anne, and Norfolk, including the cities of Norfolk and Portsmouth, and which accepted parts are for the present left precisely as if this proclamation were not issued. And by the virtue of power and for the purposes aforesaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are and henceforward shall be free. And these states still are in rebellion, not just against people, all people, black people, women, um, LGBTQ plus it's just amazing that they basically thumb their nose and say we ain't doing it because we don't want to do it and we don't recognize it and they had to have a costly and horrible civil war to and basically why because, and what kills me is we had the ingenuity to continue to continue to bake bank and didn't have to use humans and kill humans and enslave my people to do it. We could have been pushed forward into industrialization faster, did it better than anybody else, but yet we still subjugated generations of African-Americans, indigenous people, just because they could and I don't and I'm not really just ranting I'm just how people just ignore laws and they choose and that's why I think sovereign citizenship is such a bastardization and perversion of democracy because you can't have a real democracy and a sustainable democracy if you don't have some rights and also with some limits though because again you uh swing one pendulum to a liberalization and uh, uh, the sovereign to sovereign citizen movement which wasn't doesn't make a whole bunch of sense but this is this particular law is most affecting why we celebrate Juneteenth and how Texas basically ignored it for two years and how even after they lost the war, 
they still were in violation because the KKK came along and was still trying to repress us and all the Jim Crow and segregationist um, actions down south that we're still rolling against. I still I asked this when I was uh, reading in uh, my Tim Froze reading podcast. Can we truly ever be free? We were free. It is truly is. Freedom is a state of mind. I know I'm free, but there are a lot of people that basically say just because I am who I am and the way I look and just simply because of the color of my skin, I'll never truly be free. But I can be free within myself. My Me getting the knowledge, processing it, and expanding my knowledge wealth and making me more proud of who I am every single day. That's how I'm going to continue to grind. Or that's why I'm going to continue to grind. Because I honestly believe this Juneteenth that freedom comes with an open state of mind, the willingness to learn, and the willingness to uplift my race. I don't have to kowtow. I don't have to completely assimilate. I can be a proud African-American woman and be free and live successfully and create wonderful things. Come, grind with me if you will. Let's dream and build a better reality and a better future. And again, as always, thank you for listening. This is um, Tim Fro is reading, signing off. And I hope and wish you a blessed and happy Juneteenth. Have a great day. Today, I had 45 minutes of my life stolen because a scammer tried to scam me. It's been a while because I have the super duper caller ID on my phone where I have an iPhone and I can set it to silence all unknown calls. So I had somebody by the name of, let me go back, um, someone by the name of Sergeant Butler, he identified himself as part Scott Hughes of the Hamilton County Sheriff's Department. Um, He left his phone number, um, which is as follows, 423-216-4748. I'm sure he has since either it's going to be call blocked or you can or it's going to be either blocked or it's going to be unlisted. It's probably um, a voice over Internet uh, phone number. But this guy sounded very convincing. Um, It was a multi-layered scam phone scam. Basically, he had a period of time where it was failure to appear. Um, And it was in federal court over matters 
compelled to come forward um, over matters of a death of a juvenile. I find it frightening because I have been in the past a uh, witness for the state um, in abuse cases. Um, I had to basically sit with the detective. Um, this was when I was in, worked in North Carolina. So I've, I'm used to the, the drill. So it was just kind of weird that I, but he said it was a federal case. But I, I have a feeling it started to unravel, one, because of the amount and the, also the payment, how they, when they asked for payment. It was multi-layered. He had just enough of my information to be convincing. It was also during a period of time, again, where I actually left town. Um, the scam involved failure to being compelled to appear as a material witness for some federal case involving the death of a juvenile. Um, also, uh, contempt of court order was also issued. However, if you are compelled to appear, if it's going to be served, if, it's, if you're subpoenaed or uh, compelled to appear, you know, any of these notifications, either they're going to come through certified mail or they have to go through a civil process server and you're actually served with the appena and you have to be served with in person. So that's where it started to fall apart because the it was supposed to have been subpoenaed on the 21st. They said it was supposedly, unquote, served uh, by the 24th. I found this kind of to be weird because um, how are you gonna make it just before I know I went out of town? Um, and then there was another day in April when I know I was out of town. I didn't really, I had gone on, I had gone on, I didn't recognize the person's voice, but I had gone on uh, social media hiatus, uh, but this was actually compelling because I'm, I listened, my ears were open. Um, I, they gave me a couple of warrant numbers or uh, I was under a suppression order. Um, I'm wondering if this person not only knew that I was not going, I was only going to answer my call by calling from a 423 number, but also that I am a pediatrician and I also should have known that this was, it, it just felt very scammy. Um, I was aware of the surety bond. They dropped the name of the clerk of courts. Um, but what was compelling is not only are there scams where the government or any government agency does, will not take gift cards in lieu of payment. Um, bank draft and credit cards, um, cash is always good. And I can almost guarantee if you post any type of, if you have to do any type of bond, you have to do it in press. And to post any type of bond, um, I just basically did one um, to settle the estate of my father. You can only do those in person. And again, if you are served or compelled to appear for court, they're going to serve you. Subpoena, 
or they're going to send it through certified mail. And also, if you're going to be a material witness, especially if you're compelled to appear um, as an expert witness, whoever's calling you is going to make sure you're prepped for the case. So I'm not, you're never, ever going to be compelled to appear without being prepped. So that was number one bullshit. If they if they need me to show up for an April 4th hearing or whatever, that you better you best believe that they would have contacted me over 30 to 60 days, 7 90 days ago. Also, again, most bonds you have to be has to be done in person because they have to guarantee your identity. Um and they're not only they no government agency takes Apple Pay. They don't take Zelle and they definitely don't do Cash App. Those types of uh, payments are irreversible. The bank does not, even if it is fraud, the bank or the service, the platform is not responsible for reimbursing you in case it's some the money is fraudulent. Um, the people got hip to the gift cards. So now they're trying um, because they now they know that people, depending on the case, and if they say the right things, dude was reading from a script. He was good. He had me until the almost the very end because he gave me some federal ID number, which looks like somebody's uh, phone number. And then he says, when you're at the screen, um, to add new payee, then we'll, I'll stay on the line and I'll walk you through it. Then I basically said, you know, this is really sounding really scammy, but I want to call the clerk of court. Can I call you back? Cause you called me back from this number. And he says, if we disconnect, um, then you get a warrant for your arrest or whatever. And I'm like, well, no, I don't, we don't have to disconnect because I know I can conference in or add a, a caller or add in a call um, so we can conferences and we can clarify if I actually have these citations against me. So he disconnected. That's when I did. And then it was really funny. He says, if anybody actually compelled you to get your bank information or credit card information, then you just call 911. And um, basically that's what I did with this person. I hung up, I called 911, and then I made a police report after I checked with the civil processors um, for um, Ch- the state of the city of Chattanooga, um, and I verified that number one, I had no, they had no, um, they had not served me. There was no nothing pending or had um, attempted to serve. So you can check for that. Also, I made a police report um, on the non-urgent line. The police detective was actually really nice. Um, and I got a report number. And evidently, this is a very, very common scam. They get multiple calls a day where people are trying to scam you. Number one, again, they tell, told me the same thing that I actually found out. If you get served, it's either certified or, or in person. Always, you have to be present um, to for an assurity bond. No government agencies use gift cards or now these um, cash app services um, as a form of payment. It is all a scam. They all need to be ashamed of themselves. I need these mugs to stop calling me because 
beware. I like to fuss. And if I unravel it um, and I keep and I record things, if they ever were to compel me, I'm going to actually make sure that I don't um, I don't lose any um, the phone number. Make sure also make sure that my um, spam risk and that is all stuff is all up to date that the, my phone won't ring. Um, because people are trifling. How dare you try to spoof me and spam me out of my hard-earned money? You need to go sit down somewhere. And plus, I'm gonna. I like to fuss, and we are gonna unravel it. And don't. And I'm now. I know that I have the number because I was scammed before. I have the non-urgent number to the Hamilton County to Hamilton County um, saved to my phone. So we are going to get it in a tussle. But people need to stop trying to scam people and find other ways. If you need money that bad, then there is always a way to be on your hustle. Um, recycle cans, uh, get two, three jobs um, at um, different um, fast food. Everybody is hiring, but stop trying to scam people that work really hard for their money. And don't try to scam me anymore because again, I like to fuss. And if I ever find you in the streets or if because if I do recognize, I may not recognize names or remember names, but I recognize voices and how you look. If I have any idea that this is somebody that I actually spoke to, that is going to be compel me to be really, really angry. But I say all of this to say if these cameras are trying to get real tricky. Now they're trying to use people without accents, uh, but take a, a look at your script because people like me, you gotta basically double check and check. And anybody that won't allow you to either pay for something in person or um, tell you something that they, like if you disconnect or won't allow you to add the call to so you can double check, because that's $1,500. That's card note, that's three card notes. So with that said, y'all basically, please stop freaking tripping. That's all I got to say on that. So that's how we're going to end this episode. And I'm going to end it with a, a positive word. I used to scoff at people making this statement because maybe because of its simplicity or maybe because.